I felt like Barack Obama was a test for the church, and I feel like we failed. Connecting, equipping, and promoting emerging supernaturalists. <laughs> Even created for such a time as this. All right, and here we go. <laughs> there is more. He said, what? Yo, 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 welcome to the Supernaturalist Podcast Show, the show that exists to connect, equip, and promote emerging supernaturalists on a global level, and I trust that that's why you're listening today is because it's your desire to see God's kingdom come, His will be done, established on the earth through your efforts and giftings. If we haven't met yet, my name's Darren Stott, lead pastor of a church called Seattle Revival Center founder of Supernatural Ministries and the author of a book. Yeah, I wrote a book called Pattern Interrupt. Pick up yours on Amazon. Today's show is brought to you by SupernaturalParents.com. That's SupernaturalParents.com. There you will find 12 tips for supernatural parenting. And so if you're a, a mommy, a daddy, a grandparent, and it's your desire to see your kids loving Jesus and doing the things that Jesus did, um, then you're going to want to check this out. Again, that's 12 tips for supernatural parenting. It's free and it's HD. It's my gift to you at supernaturalparents.com. Today's show is a very special show as my good friend Andre Ashby is going to be joining us and we'll be diving into some topics that are quite heated right now, quite controversial right now. In fact, it's kind of triggering everybody all over the place, which is why it was so appropriate to have last week's show on offense and the science behind being triggered. If you haven't listened to that yet, you might actually want to go back and listen to last week's podcast first because we're going to dive into some stuff right now. That that where it's wrapped in so much emotion, and there is uh, some political areas that we jump into. We do talk about President Trump. We talk about President uh, Barack Obama, and so if you're hard left or hard right, um, then this is going to be a good show for you because it's time for believers um, to start getting back to being hard Jesus instead of being hard against each other. And so I I am super stoked. Super Super stoked, hashtag super stoked uh, to be sharing this show with you today where we're going to be diving into racism, the NFL, and the kingdom of God. Now let's just chat about Andre. Who's Andre Ashby? Okay, Andre was the spiritual son to the late Jill Austin. Um, Jill walked in this incredible angelic uh, glory realm and Andre was really mentored in that. Jeremy Nelson reached out to me and was like, bro, you've got to get Andre out to, to your place. This guy's carrying the fire. This guy's this guy carries the heat. We brought him out to Seattle. We had such a great time, such great meetings. And then there was the after party. It was the after uh, the afterglow, and I would just get to hang out with Andre, just him and him and myself. And we would eat some food, and we begin having these conversations about the news and world affairs. We would talk about um, President Trump. We'd talk about um, uh, the the interesting dynamics that exist with the, within the kingdom of God. And then um, more recently with everything that's been escalating within our country and this, this tension 
tension that's been increasing within our country when it comes to uh, race and politics. I felt like for the purpose of unity, I wanted to actually reach out to Andre uh, because he's in our team, he's in our tribe, and yet he shares um, a different set of, of, of beliefs than perhaps a lot of the guys that roll in kind of the 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 white glory revival stream <laughs> that we find ourselves a part of and so i reached out to andre i was like bro i want to have a conversation with you and i want this conversation to exist so that people can begin to see the world through a different set of lenses and filters even if they choose to not share those beliefs that they would realize that there's actually a larger conversation a lot a larger narrative that's taking place and we need to start thinking a little bigger within the kingdom of god so Andre agreed to do this podcast and I'm so grateful for it. I'm really happy the way that it turned out. My hope for this show is that it inspires courage in you, that perhaps you can reach out to people that are different from you, perhaps a different skin color, perhaps different economic bracket, uh, perhaps maybe even a different religion, and that it would inspire courage within you to begin to sit down and to listen, to love, and to learn. We see through the ministry model of Jesus that this is what Jesus did every single day. He hung out with people that he should have been hanging out with. It tweaked out the religious community, and he didn't care. Jesus was continually reaching out to those that the religious community rejected, and he would have these incredible conversations, share these incredible parables, and he would demonstrate his love each and every day. So may this podcast inspire a greater courage and a greater grace within us, the Christian community, to begin having um, uh, conversations, honest conversations, where we can listen, love, learn, and grow. Let's dive into this conversation right now with Andre Tyrone Ashby. Andre, thanks so much for uh, for being on the show. I've been looking forward to this interview with you for uh, for quite a long time. You and I have had the opportunity of eating a lot of food together and yeah. ju- and just having some great conversations. I just appreciate who you are and how you think and how similar you and I are, and yet really how different um, we are. And there's yeah. there's so much stuff happening in the world right now. So much stuff happening that's br- bringing such radical division within the world world right now and it feels like the church is really engaging in that same spirit of division and for that reason I wanted to get you on the show so that we could talk about several different issues and and I wanted people to see the world through your eyes so that they can come up to a new level of understanding so that maybe they'd be um, less likely to react and to partner with that crazy divisive spirit that's at work right now. So thank you so much for just for just being willing to do this and and for being willing to have just a conversation that we would have anyways, but to be able to share this with uh, with my uh, podcast audience. My pleasure. So, bro, I just wanted to start off with you know. Um, so first of all, you're you know you're black. I'm white. You come from a different <laughs> a different set of experiences and upbringing than me. And one of the things um, that I hear within 
uh, kind of the white demographic is that um, that there it, that racism is a thing of the past. That's like old America that sure there's little pockets of America where there's a few racists here and there, but really like like that's a thing of the past and that the African-American community just needs to forgive, forget and move on. So like, what do you think about that, man? Like, like, do you think that racism is a thing of the past or do you feel like it's still a very serious issue that, where there needs to be conversation? And, and, and stuff, we still need to move forward as a country. I, I think it's still a very serious issue. Um, uh, I mean, I've, as a black man who's been thrown into the back of a police car for two hours for simply being outside at night going to get something to eat, um, and there was a robbery around the corner, so I was a black guy, so they threw me in the back of the car. Or being surrounded by police cars because getting into my car, my friend, uh, the car next to him had a pressure, was pressure sensitive. So the lights flashed. So we got stopped by police. He got put in handcuffs. I got threatened to be beaten with a, a, a police flashlight. So, yeah, I think uh, racism is still alive and well in this nation. And, bro, like, like what would you tell somebody if they told you that like what would you tell people if they say like that's a thing of the past and sure that that happened to you in that one instance but um but really that's just that's just one example for the most part america's moved forward and so should you what would you tell somebody that told you that like just straight up to your face i would tell them that they need to uh watch the news (laughs) they need to uh (laughs) i mean uh i mean black men being shot running away from a you know granted they may have committed a crime but they're running away and they're getting shot in the back uh they tell you that if you're polite to the policeman when you're pulled over you know that you'll be fine and people are polite to policemen and still get killed you know and i i I would tell them you don't know what it's like to have a policeman follow you and you be afraid and i do you know, I automatically get get afraid, even though I'm not breaking the law. You know, wow. Um, and granted, I'm not that much of a threat. I'm a little guy. I'm a light complected black person, and we're you know we're treated different than dark skinned black people. I actually had a, a a young white lady tell me that she was afraid of big dark black men that they were going to rape her. So wow. this is the, the stereotype that is in this nation. But until we admit that there's a problem, we can never heal it. If we keep saying, oh, that was then, and you can't even just listen to the other side of the story without get, getting offensive. And this is what I've uh, seen, that a lot of my white friends, when you begin to talk about this stuff, they get uncomfortable and they think, well, you're, you're saying I'm like that. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that there is an issue that need, we need to deal with. I have plenty of white friends who aren't racist. So I know that every white person is not a racist. But just because every white person is not a racist does not negate that there's an issue in this nation. That all you got to do is watch the news and see it. Yeah, I, 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 absolutely. And 
you know, I wanted to just chat with you about um, about the news. I mean, um, right now there's so much in the news uh, uh, about racism, and, and and a lot of it's being linked to um, ties to President Trump. And then there's been so much in the news about even the KKK, and then even just just recently the whole feud between uh, President Trump and the NFL. Um, I know that uh, a lot of white evangelicals um, reacted very, very strongly against the NFL when they uh, had that recent protest during the national anthem. So, bro, just from your perspective, the whole thing with the NFL and the and, and all these teams that united to not participate in the national anthem. Um, how did how did you view that, man? Just from your, from your perspective. Well, uh, <laughs> first of all, I. It was not an issue. Uh, yes, Colin Kaepernick kneeled, and a couple of other players kneeled during the national anthem, but nobody was talking about it. Right. What br- brought it to the forefront was President Trump when he called these black players SOBs. And so what caused the, the, the people to rise is saying, no, we're not going to stand for this kind of thing. And when they say, you know, they said they're protesting the flag, and these people have said over and over and over again, we're not protesting the flag. We are patriots. We're protesting the issues that are going on in the black community that, that, that no one seems to be doing anything about or cares. Yeah, I think that's really good, uh, really good input. And the other thing that I would just um, uh, uh, mention to, to to the listeners here is that when you see these issues that are being played out, uh, uh, you know, I, th- I think sometimes people say these are celebrities. These are celebrated ones that are making millions and millions of dollars. And so the standards should be higher um, uh, for these for these guys. And so oftentimes we justify the blanket the blanket judgment statements that we give on Facebook and Twitter where we start blasting these guys and we feel like it's justified because they make so much money and the standards should be higher. And yet sometimes what we actually do is we're actually just participating with that negative kind of divisive spirit. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring, uh, bring this up with, you know, with you is because here you are, you know, you love Jesus, you know, you're, you're a carrier of the glory, you're walking in signs, wonders and miracles. And yet I'm sure you probably saw a lot of stuff on social media, maybe even from friends of yours attacking these players. Uh, yeah, and I did. And I had to, uh, how do I say this nicely? Uh, put, <laughs> <laughs> put a couple people in check. <laughs> and, and the way I did this, what I said to them was, look, these people have a platform and they're speaking for people who don't. And I said, as a black man who's been thrown into the back of the police car, I, for one, appreciate that they're bringing light to this problem. So, Andre, did you get any responses? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, everybody becomes silent. So let's change topics for, for a quick second. Okay. Um, President Barack Obama. That was a that was such a significant um, time for our country when we got to see the very first um, African American president. 
And I know African-Americans that were Republican and voted Democrat just to just to be able to make history and to be able, you know, and so like that was such a big deal when um, when Barack Obama was was elected as the very first um, uh, African-American president in the United States. Um, So can you kind of just walk us through uh, through that through that time and what and what you felt um, when 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 it was announced that Barack Obama would be the very first, you know, uh, African American president in the United States. Uh, well, um, up, uh, well, how to when when Barack Obama started running, uh, you know, as I was like, there will never be a black president in my lifetime. Till the Lord told me that he was going to be elected. And, uh, you know, I argue with God. I'm like, no, nah, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> and uh, so when it happened, I don't know that I was that overwhelmed or that, h- how do you say, I, I was not <coughs> surprised. And But when I looked at the people, like when he came out to give his uh, speech and the black people who were weeping, you know, just weeping all of the auditorium that this had happened in their lifetime. I, I think it was amazing. And I know it was something that God did. And I know I'll probably get crucified over that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember when he got um, elected, it was such a big deal. I mean, it was like, I mean, um, I don't know if we will ever see such a popular president you know, at least in my in my lifetime, I mean, he was he was loved like he was so loved by the country and just celebrated. Right. Like it was such a huge celebration, except for in kind of the white evangelical, even charismatic revival stream. I mean, I remember there was some pretty strong comments that were being made by people within our own camp, within our own streams. And during that time when all those when all those comments were coming out against uh, against uh, President Obama, how how did that feel when when you had people in your own streams, guys that you're running with, making pretty strong statements against uh, President Obama? It was it was very hurtful. And my thing is, you don't have to agree with someone's politics, but as believers. We're commanded to pray for those in authority over us. And I I pray for President uh, Trump. I didn't vote for him, but I pray for him because he's my president. And if he succeeds, we all succeed. But I did not see that in the evangelical community. And I felt like, and I've never said this publicly, but I felt like Barack Obama was a test for the church. And I feel like we failed. Wow. And one of the things, uh, somebody was berating him on my Facebook page, calling him Obama. And I said, what if every time you wanted to call him Obama, you prayed for him? And the response, I do pray for him. And I said, I don't believe that you can be so disrespectful about our president on somebody else's page and pray for him with releasing blessing and not curses. And they, they didn't say anything else. You know, and, and I really feel like, you know, I didn't agree with a, a lot of uh, President Obama's um, uh, 
but as far as he was in office for eight years, had no scandals, raised two fairly well uh, adjusted young girls in in the White House and can tell that he's still passionately in love with his wife. Right, right. But yet the church attacked him, called him Antichrist, called him everything out of the book, uh, called him Beast Obama, people burned him in effigy, um, all, all kind of crazy. Have pictures of the whole family as monkeys, you know, and this is not just the world. This was believers. And it's sad. It breaks my heart. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I remember hearing everything from Obama as the uh, as the Antichrist to, of course, the uh, calling him a Muslim. Um, uh, you, got, you got guys like Rush Limbaugh, who still to this day, who when refer to President Barack Obama, it's always Barack Hussein Obama, putting um, extra emphasis on his middle name. Um, right. uh, I even heard people say that he was uh, gay, and I'm like, how can he be a gay Muslim? I think <laughs> I think that's oxymoron. I mean, I'm sure such things. Ex- I mean, but just <laughs> just like crazy, crazy stuff that was said um, about him from from the Christian community, you know, and um, and. I, th- I think it's really interesting. Once he had served his two terms, um, it, it's so crazy as far as a lot of the a lot of the crazy allegations, a lot of the over the top allegations that were made about him um, proved at least up to this point to be to be false. As far yeah. as as far as like kind of the the conspiracy over the top. I mean, I think that when it comes to like him, you know, supporting gay rights, uh, gay marriage, um, you know, uh, abortion, stuff like that. I mean, that wasn't a secret. Like that wasn't like a conspiracy. That was just pretty straight up. So I'm talking about kind of the crazy conspiracy theories that were in the documentaries and a lot of the stuff that was being said about him right at the very beginning of his, of his term, I would say most of that proved to be false as far as the strong Obama agenda um, that was being said about him. Right. There were even um, videos of speeches that he did where it was doctored. And all you had to do was look up the original speech and know that what they made the speech say, it was insane. And Christians were posting this on Facebook. And I had to confront a friend of mine. I'm like, this is not the truth. All you have to do is look up the original speech and he what this because this is doctored what it made him say is not what he said at all. So, Andre, what do, what do you say to the person that's like, you know, that says basically President Barack Obama's platform was based off of, you know, socialism, abortion and um, and GLBT kind of agenda type you know, type type stuff like, and and they would say, and you voted for that, Andre. Like you voted for the, you know, pro-abortion, pro-gay, pro-transgender, pro. Like, like, what would your response be to somebody that said something like that? Uh, well, I would tell them. Well, number one, God told me to vote for him the first time. I didn't vote for him the second time because God didn't tell me to vote for him the second time. I voted for Mitt Romney, but the first time God told me to vote for Barack Obama, so I did. Um, and number, I would say, number one, America is not a theocracy. America is supposedly a de- democracy, which means that all people have equal rights. And 
that was understood until the religious right took over the Republican Party. And so um, his, yes, he was for pro-choice. Yes, he was for uh, gay rights. Um, and you know, I, did I agree with all that stuff? No. But uh, the disparaging comments that he got and all that kind of stuff, I just don't think it was, it was, it was warranted. So now let's talk about the church for, for a second. When, when you look at the fabric of the church in America, things still seem very segmented and fragmented and divided. And so, um, sure you do have some multicultural churches, but I'd say for the most part, um, especially in, I'd say even in our stream, kind of the more prophetic kind of more, um, apostolic, not even apostolic. That, that, that wouldn't be fair. I'd say probably the more West coast kind of Bethel, you know, even East coast, IHOP, you know, kind of the more prophetic kind of stream, um, tends to be, um, dominantly white. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, for sure. And, but there is a strong apostolic and prophetic black movement, but it tends to not involve a lot of white guys. So it's kind of like there's this apostolic prophetic movement that's that's like pretty much straight up white. <laughs> like, you right. know, like I'd say like 95% white. And then I'm not as familiar myself with kind of the apostolic prophetic um black movement but they tend to be they tend to be a little bit more inclusive i know like uh guys like ryan you know apostle ryan lestrange guys like uh charlie champ like those guys are doing a lot of stuff with the more black prophetic apostolic movement and so i guess my question for you bro is like um is this just the way it is. Is this just because of the human condition or as Christians, should we be held to a higher standard as far as intentionally practicing diversity within our streams and movements? I, I think that we should intentionally practice diversity, but I think we are suffering from uh, 400 years really of segregation in this nation that we don't want to admit that there are still, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Because of slavery, there's still issues. Right. And so um, I always, you know, people always joke around, like my friends, uh, well, used to be friends, that the most, <laughs> se- the most segregated time in America is the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning. You know, that's the most segregated time there's, you have your white churches, you have your black churches. Right, right, right. And I, honestly, I don't know how to bring the two together. You know, I got a word, and I have to be honest, I got a word a few years ago that the Lord was sending me to the black church, and I went, God, I don't want to go to the black church. <laughs> and the reason why is because, um, and I can say this because I'm a black guy, we tend to be much more religious. You know, uh, Everybody's an apostle. Everybody is a prophet. I remember, uh, and, and I believe God wants to break that. I remember a few years ago, my assistant and I uh, went to speak at a conference in, well, I went to speak. He came with me at a conference in Virginia Beach, Virginia. 
And so we had to have name tags. And so uh, when I went to get my name tag, the lady asked me, what do you want to be called? And I went, Andre, that's my name. And she went, no, 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 no. You, you have to have a title. You can't just be Andre. And made me put Prophet Andre on my name badge. And because Eli was with me, they put Prophet Eli on his name badge. <laughs> that kind of stuff, I think we need to shift. You know, and I, I'm not saying throw all honor out the window. You know, we, I mean, we, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, don't you kind of feel like that maybe within the kind of the 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 white church that there is maybe um, not a whole lot of honor at all sometimes for the prophetic and for the apostolic? Um, well, I don't know that I agree with that because I see a lot of a lot of. Um, idol worship with the prophetic people and the apostolic people. Okay. You know, they may not call them prophet so-and-so or apostle so-and-so, but some of the folks revere them almost to the point of worship. And I've been in places where I felt the grief of the Holy Spirit. And I said, Lord, what's going on? And he said, they're worshiping him. That's interesting. I mean, you know, yeah, and, and I didn't mean like no honor at all, but sometimes I feel like, especially on the West Coast, we get so, we almost get way too familiar with the offices and with the gifts to the degree that even when somebody that's very respected and the prophetic comes in, there's almost this like natural disdain or kind of like, well, we'll see how prophetic they are now. You know, and like, I'm talking about like, you know, and I'm talking about like trusted, you know, prof, you know, prophets and apostles and that kind of thing. I mean, sometimes I just kind of feel like, like, um, like the fivefold ministry and the offices have almost become commonplace, uh, within the church. Uh, well, yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, that might be true. I know, um, I've gone places to minister and I'm up front and I can feel the people go, yeah, show me what you got. And I just tell them, I don't have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> If God, if Jesus doesn't come, we're all in trouble. So going back to like um, the diversity within within churches and movements, do, I mean, do you have any sort of? I mean, do you think it's? Do you think it would be cheesy for a movement or for a for a church to to specifically say that we're that we are going to consider race as part of our hiring decision that we we want to. Um, we want to demonstrate the the culture of the kingdom of heaven. And so we want to have diversity on our team. Therefore we are stating that we're not going to hire another white guy on our staff. <laughs> I mean, does it, does it need to come to that? Or do you feel like it's like the best man for the job? Just pray and obey sort of thing. Uh, uh, this is what I feel. I feel every church has a different tap root. Every church has something that God's given to them to accomplish in the kingdom. So I would not say to that church, you can't hire the next white guy. You need to hire the next black guy. I would say you need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit tells you to hire the black guy, then you hire him because he's going to fit into what God created this church to be. You know, I, I'm not sure that every church is supposed to be, uh, you know, 
have every race under the sun in it. You know, some churches, I think, maybe are supposed to, and some churches maybe aren't. I don't know. But I wouldn't put that restriction. I would say, seek the Lord, because he knows how to build the church. Yeah, I think it's great advice. I, I, I also think that the Lord will honor the desire of a congregation or the desire of, of a body or a movement. And so I think that even just leadership teams that have the courage to have this conversation and are expressing their desire to have a diversified team. Uh-huh. You know, I think the, I, I think the Lord will really honor that. So I, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, even at Seattle Revival Center, this has been like the cry of our heart to have a diversified team and to have a body that is diverse. And, um, and it's really, really cool because even now within our own staff, we're starting to see, um, uh, a, you know, actual diversity for the very first time and perhaps the history of the church. And so it didn't, it wasn't because we said, it wasn't because we said, you know, we're going to hire, you know, an African-American staff member or we're going to hire a Korean staff member or a Puerto Rican staff member. Like not, like not at all. Right. It was basically because like, I think that the Lord is, will honor the desire of right. le- leaders within a community that express like it's our heart's desire. And we're having these conversations and we know that this matters to the Lord. This matters to us. And I think the Lord will really honor that within a community. Right. And the Lord, the Lord did it. You didn't manufacture something. He did it. That's right. Yeah, that's and right. I, I think that's that's the key. What, whatever move of God uh, or whatever church plant or whatever is finding what is given for that body and do that. Now, don't worry about what they're doing down the street. That's between them and God. You do what God told you to do. You know? So I, uh, that's. I view it, I guess. I also think it's important, though, for I think that the more of a profile you have and I think that you need to be that much more intentional to be having this conversation. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because I, I just think that, I mean, especially if it's the dream and desire, if it's the communicated desire for heaven to come to earth, you know, God's you know, for the kingdom to come, God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, then I think that this diversity conversation has to be taking place within our cultures. It has to. I agree. Andre, reconciliation acts. I don't even know if that's what you call them, but (laughs) I don't know if you've ever been a part of this, but basically where, where there's kind of a gathering and then there's kind of corporate repentance and it's like, you know, Andre, you know, this is like, you know, Darren speaking, like on behalf of the, you know, uh, Caucasian community, I want to repent for, you know, all, you know, the acts of, of racism and the acts of injustice and hatred. What's, what's, what's your thought on reconciliation acts? I mean, do you feel like there, do you feel like We've kind of been there and done that. Do you feel like that needs to continue to happen? I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah. uh, I guess my, my thought is always, if God says do it, do it. So I would never say, oh, we'd never need that again. Right, if right. Because I've seen it work. Uh, can I tell a story real quick? Absolutely, please. Uh, I went to uh, uh, a small uh, town in British Columbia, and... Uh, when you drove into the town, it was it was dying. All industry was leaving. 
everything was, uh, you know, it was just, it was hard. It was horrible. And I remember going to the church, me and my friend were doing the conference there. And um, it was his night to speak. And I don't know if you've ever spoken. It felt like you're ramming your head into a brick wall. Right. Yeah. That's, that's what it felt like. And I wasn't speaking. And I was sitting there thinking, wow, I'm sure glad it's not me up there tonight. <laughs> and so my friend came over to me and he, he looked at me and I shrugged my shoulders. And I thought, well, maybe I should ask the Lord what's going on. You know, I'm kind of slow to the uptake. Right, right. And so I said, Lord, what's going on? And he said, oh, it's because what happened to the Native Americans in this region. Wow. And I said, what? I'm like, God, I don't see no Native Americans. All I see is ordinary, everyday white people. Well, he didn't say anything else. And so after the meeting was over, I went to the pastor and I said, uh, hey, what happened to the Native Americans in this region? And he goes, oh, they were basically slotted on the land that the church is built on. And I went, wow, he said, wow. Why did you ask? I said, because God told me what's going on, the hard time you're having is because of what happened to the Native Americans. So the next day I met with a spiritual mapper and he told me all the stuff that, you know, when Custer went up into, you know, Montana, that area, all the Native Americans came over into Canada and they followed them over and slaughtered them in their sleep. So the next night the Lord told me, I want you to have anybody who has Native American blood come up front. Now, there were only about 40 people in the room. 30 people came up, 30 white people came up with Native American blood. And I had pastors come up and repent back and forth. And, you know, you know, the whole spiel. Well, at that moment, uh, a lady who is a seer saw the gate to the city swing open and an angel fly in and stand next to me. My, Come on. My, my friend who was there heard this scream, he said, in the spirit, because that spirit knew his power was broken. Wow. Well, what happened in that church is revival broke out. Wow. The mayor got saved. Come on. His wife got saved. His daughter got saved. Uh, industry started moving back into the community. Uh, signs, wonders, and miracles became commonplace in this church. And so I, I've seen it, it works. So if God says do it, then we should do it. If it's just the work of the flesh, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna throw this conference so we can, then I don't want any part of that. I, yeah. I just don't. That's really you know, good. If it's the Lord, I'm all for it. Oh, that's awesome. And that's such a cool story. That's amazing. Right now there's like, there's so much going on, and this is how we began our, our time together tonight, is just talking about just the the atmosphere of division that's kind of everywhere, from entertainment to um, the media to politics, education, and the church. It's it's everywhere. Like Like, everything is very fragmented and divided. I feel like it's definitely a spiritual thing that if we don't watch it as the kingdom of God, that thing could come in to the church and and divide us in such a way where what God wants to do on the earth is delayed because of our lack of unity. What do you think about a statement like that? I mean, is there? Would you agree with a statement like that, or would you say like, no, this is like way way more practical than spiritual, and 
and and that these are conversations that we can't just avoid but we really need to start you know what i'm saying like like should we be should we be should we be reacting online because of the injustice that's taken place um and going to prayer or i mean I, w- w- what's your reaction to like a statement like that um i would totally agree i think that everything has a spiritual component behind it i just do you know i think we see there's what we see is the tip of the iceberg. There's so much stuff under the water that that we're 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 dealing with, and uh, so yeah, I think um, there is definitely a spiritual component. And I think if we're led, you know, just to be argumentative on Facebook, what's the point of that? You're not going to change anybody's mind. But if someone is led by the Lord to put something that makes people think, then I think. I, I say go for it, you know, but I think first of all, some of the division that we can deal with in the church is first realize that our allegiance is to heaven. That's right. Our allegiance, you know, yes, we can say pledge allegiance and all that kind of stuff. But my allegiance is to to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus never, never talked about when they accused him. Are you coming? He said, my kingdom is not of this of this world. My father's kingdom is some, is of another realm. And I think if we keep that in mind, you know, I'm not saying don't be patriotic. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But if your first allegiance is to heaven, then this other stuff is not going to mess you up so much if somebody's kneeling instead of standing in front of the flag. I mean, you know, when push comes to shove, people just got massacred in Las Vegas. What difference does that make? Yeah, what difference does it make? You know, you kneel or you stand. It makes no difference. It's trivial and it's stupid for the church to get. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting hyped up. But it, it's stupid to me for the church to get caught up in that mess. Yeah, what I would add to that is because we are the body of Christ. Well, because we are the bride of Christ that when you go to post something on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or you go to say something at work what if your what if your own spouse um had a different opinion than than you what if your own spouse was a different race than you what if your own spouse shared the belief of the very people that you are reacting against how would you say it how would you conduct yourself you'd probably way more cautious you'd probably be far more honoring because you wouldn't want to do anything to dishonor your spouse because it's your spouse and i think that we need to be far more considerate of the diversity that exists within the kingdom of god so that before we go blasting the the enemy and i say that in quotes that we realize that many times we think that flesh and blood is the enemy when in reality it's principalities and powers. And so when we go taking shots at people um, thinking that we're shooting the enemy, oftentimes we're actually shooting brothers and sisters um, in Christ. And what, and what we're actually doing is we're attacking, we're attacking the bride of Christ. We're actually attacking somebody's wife. Right. That, that is so true. That is so true that we should be considerate and, you know, think about, you know, I used to post stuff that, you know, caused arguments, but I stopped doing that because it's not worth it. 
and I, you know, to lose friendship or hurt people because you don't agree with their opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just so believe that what the Lord wants to do on the earth through the bride of Christ and through the church, the one thing that it is going to require is honor, faith, in unity. I mean, it's even, it's the prayer of Jesus when he's talking to his father, like my prayer is like my request. I know father is your request. I know that my will is your will, that our will is that in the same way that we are one, that the church would be one with us, that we would share in this perfect union and this perfect unity. Like that was the very prayer of Jesus. And I think that as all believers, we need to place a higher value on that prayer and hold ourselves accountable for when we begin acting out in a way that's hostile against the desire of the father and the son and the and the holy spirit right right i completely agree andre you are awesome and i love you (laughs) oh i love you too thank you so much and thank you so much for diving into uh uh, this conversation with me and just being so transparent and just vulnerable and sharing some of your own experiences and stories. And bro, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm so sorry for, for that, for that, that stuff that, you know, just even being thrown in the back of the cop car. I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, these kind of things, like these things that are unjust, they should make us angry. Right. And, yeah. and, and they should take us to a place of prayer and you know what? There's even a place for peaceful protests. And I think that that's, I agree. that's the thing that we need to remember, that we do live in the United States of America where we do get a voice, where everybody gets a voice. Um, and, and that we need to be thankful for that. And, um, and that when there are things that happen that are unjust – that happen on a governmental level, you know, within uh, on 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 a on a governing level, or on it like like with the police department, or in the even in the church, that it's not that what we're saying ignorance is bliss. That for the sake of unity, we need to ignore injustice. Like absolutely, like not at all. You know, I, I, I there is a place I believe for protests for speaking up because without confrontation, there really can't be true unity. And so. Yeah, yeah. So, Andre, I'm just like, I'm just sorry for all that stuff that you've had to go through, but appreciate you just opening up and also just being honest and so honoring and having these conversations. Well, thank you. But let me say this: I don't, I, I don't, I, 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 uh, how do I, I feel so honored that as a little black guy from the ghetto that nobody wanted. You know, family didn't want me. That God took me in, and He's taking me all around the earth. So I don't, I don't feel oppressed. I don't, you know, those things happen. I'm not angry about them. I'm not bitter about it at all. I, I still feel like I'm a blessed guy, you know, because God has. I mean, He let me meet you. I mean, the <laughs> Lord. I mean, really, the Lord has allowed me to. Be friends with some of the most anointed people on earth. And there's not very many people from where I came from that can say that. Wow. So it's an honor. And, you know, God is faithful. Wow. 
Wow. Well, thank you so much, Andre. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, and everybody listening, I would just encourage you to check out the show notes. Um, go to Andre's Facebook page, connect with him, uh, shoot him off an email, um, let him know what you thought about today's show. Let me know what you thought about today's show. And let, let's all just be far more intentional to begin crossing the boundary lines, crossing those racial, economic, um, even just crossing our own street to reach out to people who seem different from us, uh, people that speak a different language from us, people that make us feel maybe even poor or people that make us feel dumb. Like it's so important that we start to reach out to people that are radically different from us and that we lean into that place of insecurity and fear. And we press through those boundary lines, knowing that there are incredible relationships just waiting to happen. If we will overcome our fear and, um, and, and get out of our comfort zone and really start uh, seeking people because God loves people. And so should we. So that would be just the, <laughs> the final call. Comments, <laughs> you know. Amen. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Andre. Love you. Let's do this again, man. But we'll talk about something different next time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Love you, buddy. Love you too. Talk to you later. All right.